everybody. Welcome to Volume 2, Episode 1 of the Mental Health Break Podcast. I am your host, Tom Holzerman, or TH, if you will. For those who found me through the newsletter, thank you for subscribing and uh, welcome to the return of the podcast. For those who haven't, head on over to tholzerman.substack.com for a newsletter three times weekly on a good week. (laughs) Um, Sent right to your inbox. You can uh, read it with your morning coffee on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Um, But you're here for the podcast today, and today's guest is a longtime Twitter friend of mine. Um, He is a long-suffering fan of uh, the University of Indiana and the Indianapolis Colts and other teams from the great state of Indiana. Contractually, I'll get to call it the great state of Indiana for threat of invasion and assimilation. Um, he's also a world-class bartender uh, and a hell of a fan of, um, of heavy metal music, sludge metal, that sort of thing. Please welcome to the show, Adam Schick. Adam, how you doing? Whoop, whoop. Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, I regret to inform you that you have already opened yourself up to uh, Twitter attacks because it is actually Indiana University and not the University <sighs> of Indiana. I know you have one over there, which is also it has always been confusing to me. But uh, for anybody listening to this, uh, uh, go easy on our buddy Tom. He didn't know any better. Uh, Pennsylvania, the only place in the country where you can uh, visit Indiana, California, and right. Wyoming, <laughs> yeah. in the state. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So now I'm expecting Bob might to pop in through my apartment door and throw a chair at me. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now he's not moving too well these days, so uh, I think you're safe from him. All right, so it'll be Tom Crean. Yeah, Tom Crean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, doing great. Uh, it's a uh, nice to hear your voice. It's nice to be here. Oh. Thank you for having me. Oh, uh, no problem. Uh, yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, um, podcast had to go on hiatus because the computer I was using, it's kind of a shitty little Chromebook. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was it's nice if you want to browse the internet. But I found out quite soon that using it to record a podcast was just a little difficult. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I finally replaced it with this uh, nice little nicer model um, with a hell of a lot more RAM. And actually runs Windows, so I don't have to like run Linux just oh, so I can do yeah. editing software. Yeah, I was uh, on a Chromebook uh, back in my beer rep days, and uh, uh, yes, very limited, especially when it comes to writing reports and all your administrative work. Uh, but hard to beat the price sometimes, you know. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, if you're just browsing on the internet, you know, you kind of have to watch what you're doing. You can't really have too many. Um, Chrome tabs open at the same uh-huh. time. Yeah. Uh, but, does everybody know that we're going to be talking strictly about Chromebooks today? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We'll talk about fun things. Yeah. Like, uh, no, and I'm not here to, I'm not even going to mention that what I'm using on now because they're not paying me. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll mention some things without, without taking payment. Like, uh, like Huifang Sriracha Sauce. Um, uh-huh. Huifang, you guys out there in California, uh, you know, drop me a line. I will I will gladly take your money to um, proselytize the Sriracha Sauce that you guys make. And uh, all the, the sand mile, I'll the, take the a chili beanie. pastes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take a hat, some stickers. You know, I'll just take free sriracha. That's that's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So is the sriracha uh, shortage over in your area? Uh, The sriracha supply, at least at uh, my local stores, has been uh, bountiful as of late. There was a while where I couldn't find any. Yeah. Yeah, I ran out of it and I was like, I got to get more. Not that I use it all too often, but I use it enough that so I need to have it in my fridge. Yeah. And they only had the really, 
Yeah, they only have the really big bottles left. I mean, it's gonna get. It's not like it's gonna go bad. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're uh, a big proponent of their uh, their chili paste in this house. Drop that in some uh, some pasta sauce. Throw it in your bowl of ramen. Uh, that's a almost a daily fixture in our food over here. Yeah, and that's a little bit healthier because it doesn't have the sugar in it, like the yeah. sriracha sauce does. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we keep a bottle of the of the red stuff behind the bar at work. Um, since we do so much breakfast, uh, it, rarely a day goes by without it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually ordered the, I mean, it's not, I guess it's not much different from the chili paste, but the, um, Sambal Walek. Oh the, yeah. Uh, Indonesian, yeah. Mm-hmm. Malaysian, Indonesian. Oh yes. Don't really, don't really know which country, but it's from sort of that area, you know, the, uh, Little mess of islands tailing off the east uh-huh. of Asia. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. That gold label is uh has come through clutch. So again, yeah, uh, I wear like a size seven hat, maybe like seven and a half with my hair. If you're listening, Hoi Fong, I'll just take the sauce. I'll just take the, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, keep it easy. Yeah. Actually, do you guys sell Hoi Sin? <laughs> <laughs> use some hoisin. Yeah, we can get you some hoisin. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, it, it's it's funny because um, like uh, first my me and my ex wife we got really into Vietnamese food, and then our son we got him mm-hmm. into it, and, and so like I always knew about sriracha, but like we go out for pho, uh-huh. and like we I we go to the restaurants. I just see the hoisin. Like, what do you use the hoisin for? I guess you use it to dip the. Uh, to dip the um, like the spring rolls in that you get yeah, as yeah. an appetizer, but now people actually put it in the soup. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You get that nice uh, kind of salty umami going in it. Uh, but what's weird is uh, some of the Vietnamese places here in Indy, you have to ask for it. They don't just put it on the table. And uh, as yeah. a uh, a service industry professional, sometimes I feel bad about asking for it, like I'm inconveniencing them. Which is oh, a, yeah. yeah, which is a crazy concept to have. No, they'll just give it to me. But uh, yeah, I've had a a few uh, mediocre bowls of uh, ramen and pho uh, in my day just because I didn't want to uh, bother the server. <laughs> you see, I never, I never really put. I I stopped putting sriracha in it too. I feel yeah. like if you get a really good bowl of pho. Mm-hmm. All you really need to do to put in it, you just put in like the, the normal stuff, they, like the greens they put on the table. The greens, like, uh, the jalapenos, yeah. Yeah, and you First only really basil. need the jalapenos to add spice. Right. It gives you that nice little underlying heat, you know, it sort of creeps in the background. You really savor yeah. the, 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 the seasoning mix they put in. They have steep in the, in the broth for I don't know how many hours. Right. But yeah, it still wouldn't be... Uh, too spicy for like my mom, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, there's all, there's, there's always like somebody you know, and they make fun of white people and it's for good reason sometimes. Uh-huh, because uh-huh. Luckily, you know, I grew up in an Italian household. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom's half Italian. My, my grandfather, her, her father's full, full blooded Italian. Um, okay. His, his mom and dad, were both born in Italy, but they met in America. Uh, one of them was from the north, one was from the south. I forget uh-huh. which one's which. And I feel like if I ask him, he'll take like 15 minutes because he's in his 90s. Uh-huh. He hasn't had good hearing for years. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like talking to him is like you kind of have to use your outside voice to talk to him. Uh-huh, yeah, Uh <laughs> We've, uh, my dad just turned 74 and it's, uh, we thought he's had bad hearing for years, which we were kind of concerned about because both his parents were deaf. Um, and it's, it turns out he's just ignoring us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've I've noticed this, uh, this little thing he'll do, uh, if, uh, I'm visiting my parents and my mom's like talking to him about something and then there'll be a pause and she'll ask did you hear me? And he'll say no. And then he'll look at me and he'll wink. 
<laughs> God. Yeah. Oh, Fred. Fred. Uh, yeah. Fred has a uh, big dad energy. <laughs> and that's not passive aggression. That's that's just mis- that's just mischief. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I guess you gotta get up in the Minnesota for the Midwestern passive aggression. Oh uh, yes, oh yeah, <laughs> definitely a thing up there. Uh, you get like shades of it in like Milwaukee, uh, but yeah, that full on uh, like Protestant, um, almost like the Southern, you know, uh, bless your heart, kind of <laughs> going on. Yeah. <laughs> so now that we're talking about the Midwest, let's open up a real powder keg. Oh right. What do you consider the extent of the Midwest? Ooh, the okay. boundaries, so to speak. Okay. So, um, so I was actually born in Kansas City, uh, but we moved to Bloomington uh, when I was about three. Um, so I grew up in Bloomington. So basically, Indiana. you're the you're you're basically uh, have always lived in an NCAA uh, headquarters city. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Yeah, and now that I'm in Indianapolis, yes. Uh, just a few miles from our house. Um, and I went to college at a small school in Springfield, Ohio called uh, Wittenberg university, go tigers. Um, so yeah, I've been a Midwest my whole life. Uh, what I consider the Midwest. And I know this might be controversial to some, but Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, Illinois, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota and uh, up until like central Pennsylvania. Okay. So you're, you are um, big 10 up to the expansion into Penn state. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm a firm believer that St. Louis is the gateway. You know, the arch itself is called the gateway to the West. Um, but yeah, so I'm a firm believer that St. Louis is the start of the, uh, the Plains states. So Iowa, Iowa Plains or Midwest? I know they're sort of, yeah, I'll count, I'll count Iowa. Yeah. So, uh, Iowa is all the corn, you know, but then Nebraska has corn too, but they're not really. Yeah. They're not one of us. (laughs) No. Yeah, they're. I think maybe that's why Nebraska hasn't fit in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Their, their has... last good year was the Big Twelve year with with Dominican Sue, and mm-hmm. uh, the one extra second they were they gave gave Texas the Big Twelve title. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. So I guess I'm a uh, a Big Ten uh, uh, perfectionist almost um, that. Uh, the Midwest was defined once they accepted Penn State, and then uh, it was set in stone. I mean, I haven't been to State College, you know, all the time I've been within Pennsylvania. I've never really, really? been to State College. Oh, man. No. Um, I've, uh, uh, one of my best friends from college lives in Rhode Island, and he got married last summer. And um, I had enough time off saved from work that I actually drove out there. Um, and I stayed overnight in state college. Uh, it, it was one of the worst drives of my life from the second I left my apartment here in Indy to the time I got to state college, it was blinding, blistering rain. Um, it should have taken me about seven and a half to eight hours. And it took me almost 12, um, which is kind of scary going, you know, around the turnpike and everything. Uh, Ooh, but yeah. yeah, got to my hotel, uh, uh, had some dinner, had a beer, woke up. And the rain had passed, and it was just this most picturesque uh, little—I mean, not little, but midwestern college town. Had a great breakfast, walked around campus, and then about 15 minutes after I got back on the road to finish my day, uh, I drove right back into the ass end of that storm, all the way from State College to Newport, Rhode Island. Ooh. So yeah, so for uh, two days, uh, the 12 hours I spent in State College was delightful. <laughs> <laughs> and I was a Penn State fan up until mm-hmm. you know Sandusky happened. Yeah, so yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, I've been I've been to a been around this mostly to in the east part of yeah. the state. I spent yeah. spent a lot of time in Lancaster. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, on day trips. That's that's nice. And yeah, I've been to Pittsburgh and uh, you know Scranton. I I spent some time in the 
the northern tier of the state, which is uh-huh. just dreadful. <laughs> Did you know some places that they reference in the office are real? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had no idea as I'm like driving through Scranton and, you know, it's signs for the Steamtown Mall and everything. I, it, as a, well, I guess I was 32 at the time, it blew my mind. Yeah, Scranton is a yeah, real place, guys. Scranton is a real place, yeah. <laughs> um, nah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I just to to sort of piggyback on your driving story, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, I was on Interstate 80 coming home from a job in uh, in Pennsylvania, and I sort of drove into a blizzard, so that wasn't Oof. fun, but yeah. That is not nearly the worst driving story I've had. It actually wasn't Pennsylvania. Um, mm-hmm. This year I was driving to Kentucky for work, uh, to Lexington. Uh-huh. So I had to go through West Virginia, which, you know, I've been through West Virginia before. I went to Morgantown like a couple of weeks before that. And, uh-huh. you know, yeah, Morgantown's nice, nice little college town. So if you want to talk about college town, yeah, I was yeah. really there. On business, business, I was actually teaching a class at a convention for my industry, which was nice. Um, and so I went past Morgantown, and as soon as I got south of where I was staying at, of the hotel where I stayed at the couple weeks prior, which is like, I forget which little bumblescum suburb, mm-hmm. exurb it was, it started pouring, mm-hmm. pouring rain. And once you get south of Morgantown, it's I-79. Oh, yes. Is, Very familiar. It is just mountain road. Yep. Uh-huh. And I, yeah, I was scared out of my mind. Oh yeah. Uh, on that drive through Rhode Island, I had a, uh, a panic attack with, cause there's no lights on those like mountain roads. Oh no, no. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just blinding rain. And then you have semis that are having no problems with the rain blowing by at 80 when I'm going 30. And so, like, I finally crossed the border into New York and stopped at a gas station. And, Tom, I'm not kidding. I cried. I was so scared. <laughs> the rain oh, was that no. bad on those roads. Yeah. And I believe that. Yeah. Uh, I can I can empathize with that. But, you know, you had the opposite problem with the semis. Because anytime I go on the turnpike, uh-huh. um, heading out to Pittsburgh, coming back, um, and that's going to end soon. Just because I, I have a, I found a new job. Sort of. Yeah. Oh, congrats home. on that web. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But um, I don't name specifics. I don't want <laughs> you know of get uh, get in of trouble. Course. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be a homebody now for for good. Good but for you. Going yeah. out, you know, like I'm driving, and the first time I drove out to Pittsburgh, I left from my my home office in Vineland, New Jersey, mm-hmm. which is. Halfway between the Delaware and uh, Sea Isle City, Wildwood in New Jersey, the shore. Okay, yeah. So I had to leave from there. And this was like at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So I was leaving from there. And like, so I was driving the turnpike like around the tunnels at like night. Mm-hmm. This was like a year ago. So it was like still, it got dark early. Yeah, and yeah. These truck, like I'm trying to like the speed limit 70 on the turnpike. Yeah, and so you, you know I you don't go the speed limit unless it's like pouring rain. Of course, highway, yeah, you know. And I'm just like I'm trying to go to nice speed. I, I don't go too far. I don't want to tempt fate. Of so course, I was going yeah. 75, <laughs> and it's just like if you get into like a a, a thing of trucks. And during the daytime, it's all right because you can see. But when it gets night out, and like you said, there's no lights on these turnpikes. Yeah, there's roads. no, there's no, yeah, there's no street lights or highway lights or anything. You'll be lucky if they have like the little reflector strips on the side. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like you kind of like slow it down, and then like it's not the worst problem to have, but it's just like I'm so bored. Like I want to uh-huh. go. I want to go, and it's like. You know, maybe you're doing you a favor. You should slow down. You right. really should slow down a little but bit. But I didn't ask for the favor, though. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then uh, and then there's uh, my dad, uh, not to bring Fred up again, but uh, my, uh, my older sister, she lives out uh, near Virginia Beach, and we'd go to her house for Thanksgiving. 
And they'd pick me up in Indy and we'd cut across Ohio down to West Virginia. And he would always refuse to stop for gas before getting on the West Virginia Turnpike. And there would be times where we were, you know, two to three miles to empty before we got off the turnpike and found a gas station that was suitable for him. Ooh. Yeah. And so, so I'm in the back seat with my mom in the front and my dad driving and I'm, I'm white knuckling the chairs being like, we're going to get stuck here. We're, we're, yeah. We're just going to live on the uh, West Virginia turnpike now. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. That's and the then, worst. And then he would get mad if you asked to stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does he just have like, not have a thing about stopping in West Virginia? Uh, he's, uh, he's big on trying to find the cheaper gas station, which, uh, I did explain to him one time that, uh, you know, if, uh, a gas station has gas for two cents less than the previous one, how many gallons you'd have to buy to make a dollar's worth of difference. Um, and he gave me the silent treatment for the rest of that day. If, like it, it, it usually like yeah, I get into like thirty or fifty cents. Yeah, yeah. To really put the dent in the wallet, yeah. That just like sort of puts it in like it, it's so funny what people consider expensive and what they don't. Right. Like in Philly, like it's sort of like we're sort of hovering around um, three fifty. Mm-hmm. It's like three thirty in Jersey, so it's probably like maybe three twenty, three ten in Delaware. Yeah. I had to go to South Padre for work um, last month. Uh-huh. And, you know, Texas, you know, big Yeehaw state. I had to rent a car and, you know, drive by the gas station, it's like 270, 260, 250. And it's like, and they probably are bitching about this down there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would kill to be able to pay 250 a gallon for gas oh, at this my point. Lord, I know. I can't. Uh, I can't remember the last time it was under two fifty here. Yeah, and that's uh, just us and sort of like the, it's like the the these uh, white bread states, you know. You know, think uh, about California. Oh Lord, no, thank you. And like, thankfully, uh, my partner Jess and I, like, we both live within walking distance of our works, so it's not like I'm buying. I think the last tank of gas I bought was before Christmas. And I've probably put like 10 miles on my car since then. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to go, you know? And, oh, um, delightful. So, uh, you said you mentioned your work and you have a restaurant. Uh, yes. Uh, so I work at, um, it's a little like a coffee shop and lunch spot called, uh, gold leaf. Um, it's been open for, uh, almost three years now. Um, it's a husband and wife that own it. She's our executive chef. She's a classically trained chef. Um, Oh. Oh yeah. Uh, she is, uh, phenomenal at what she does. And then, um, and her name's Christine Bachman. And then her husband, John Christian, um, kind of runs like the the operations side. Um, but we also have a bar, um, which is what I was kind of hired to oversee. So we have some uh, some good beer, some really good wines. Um, and then I've been in charge of uh, a cocktail menu as well. Okay, so let's, let's talk about the food first. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we, we go hog wild in your passion. You say classically trained. Did she train in New York or are we talking Paris? Uh, she uh, trained in New York. Um, and then they uh, uh, she worked out at restaurants in Seattle, um, you know, as well as New York uh, before they came back to Indy. Um, he's worked in restaurants before. Um, our menu itself is very simple, um, like because they uh, – tried to open in April of 2020. Oh, and uh, the original idea for the restaurant was going to be like small, small plates, tapas, uh, wine, small little dinner events. Um, And then they quickly had to pivot uh, because of the shutdown. Um, And uh, in Indiana restaurants, at least could still do carry out. 
So they pivoted to doing um, like full service coffee and then like small little uh, breakfast and lunch items. Uh, because we do have uh, our neighborhood is pretty walkable and there are a lot of young professionals who were working from home, but probably wanted something besides, you know, their normal eggs every day. And they had a safe place to go and get a breakfast burrito, a breakfast sandwich, um, a lot of vegetarian options um, and their coffee to take back home. So uh, we've kind of they kind of pushed the original idea aside. And now uh, I I know I'm biased, but I think we're uh, probably the best and uh, one of the most uh, beloved and supported like coffee shops our city has. Um, and now in this past year, um, they've started to branch out and do more stuff during the evenings. Um, so like the, the second Thursday of every month, um, we're open until about eight or nine and she makes, uh, dinner, uh, for the customer. So she's starting to be able to cook, you know, things that she's used to cooking again. And like Fridays, we stay open a little later and do, and have like pop-ups with local artists and vendors then on Monday nights, um, we stay open late and we do like a specialty hot dog dinner. And hey. yeah, and it's funny that that's our like most popular evening um, because the other two bars like immediately around us are closed on Mondays. So all those regulars come over to us. They have dinner. They have drinks. Uh, I think last night we were there until like 2 a.m. drinking and partying. So uh, it's the, the shop itself is really a jack of all trades, but it's a, it's a really fun little space. Um, it's, uh, the, the hours for myself are great now that I'm not bartending late at night anymore. Um, and it's a place, uh, that really lets like our front and our back of house get creative, uh, and express themselves through their food and drink creations. Um, and we heavily support like local breweries with what we have on draft. Um, we work with a lot of local food vendors as well and local farms for our produce. Uh, it's really just a, a great little spot to be at. Sounds like it. Yeah, it's delightful. Um, so what is her uh, spe- specialty? Like what was her wheelhouse? Is it the um, Spanish? Um, French and Italian. Okay. Yeah, the, the classic. So French and, and French's little brother. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, French and uh, French's boot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, she did... Uh, so this uh, these Thursday nights, the first one uh, that we did, which was last month, she did uh, like her recipe of lasagna. And, uh, you know, Italian food is such uh, classic and kind of simple flavors um but i'll tell you that was the best lasagna i will probably ever have in my life (laughs) yeah lasagna is um in my wheelhouse uh things i like to eat always has been so oh yeah for sure um i think that's sort of like the the thing that that everyone thinks of as the building block for you know restaurant food yeah yeah and if you can if you can pull off a good lasagna um that's a good tell-all that you can pull off uh, a lot of other things, too. Yeah. Um, so you talk about, you know, the, the food and everything. And, you know, going for, for the, uh, you know, you talk about coffee. And I've never been able to make a good cup of coffee at home. Like, I, I make a decent cup of coffee. Yeah. Yes, I make a decent cup of coffee at home yeah. and then, like... And not that, like, if I made it for people during the holiday, like, oh, this is good. And, like, yeah, thank you. I'd rather uh-huh. have Dunkin' or Wawa. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah I'm, a, I'm a big fan of gas station coffee. Or, like, the coffee at, like, a Jiffy Lube, you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's I'm just say, is, so this, is this a that. subtle dig at Wawa? <laughs> you know, I've never been to a Wawa. I've been to a Sheets, but I've not been to a Wawa. Uh, I'm not going to ignite that war right here. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, yes, I, I Wawa is coming. Wawa's coming to Indiana. I saw that. I think they're going to like Fishers, which is like the northern one of the northern suburbs of Indianapolis. So 
uh, I don't really go up there. Um, I like to say uh, if I have to go north of uh, 86th Street, I'm just going to drive to Chicago because there's better things up there for me than on that side of our town. Yeah. Yeah, Chicago is one of my places I need to get to. Um, oh, but, Chicago's great. You know, having a, a good coffee shop, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's just, you know, Wawa or Dunkin', and, you know, I'm, I actually am one of the few people who will stand by Dunkin' Coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, people outside of New England, of course, you know. Of course, of course, yeah. They actually I just have something in yeah, they actually just opened Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the safer bets. You know, it's it's better than being a Celtics fan or a oh, Pats God. fan. Yeah, no, being a Pats fan is probably better than being a Celtics fan at this point. Yeah, they, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> being a Colts fan and a Pacers fan, it's a uh, it's rough on both ends. But yeah, you do have the. Um, you know, Larry Bird. So it's like this Larry true. Bird connection. He he is he is one of us. Um, notorious asshole Larry Bird. <laughs> you kind of gotta kind of be an asshole if you're gonna play. If you're gonna be famous, you know. Oh, I think he was just. I think he was just born an asshole. Uh, you know, all the legendary stories of uh, his uh, trash talking in college, and then his early years in the pros. Um, Funny story, I was a, a summer camp counselor for a long time um, at a camp, uh, kind of the northern part of the state near Purdue. And one year, uh, his daughter was a camper and it was a pickup day. And our bosses had been like, hey, um, it's pickup day. Don't make Larry feel weird. Um, and so the car rolls up, you know, it's, uh, some a large BMW or Mercedes or something. Um, and the driver gets out to go pick up the daughter's bags to load the car up. And we're just hoping and praying he'll even just like roll the window down to, uh, just wave at us. And, um, but the windows were tinted, but they were, uh, Lightly tinted enough that we could still see him flip us off. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, yeah, that's Larry Legend for you. <laughs> uh, at that point, he was probably doing it because he probably figured you wanted to see that rather than oh, a yeah. wave. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll take the memory. <laughs> But you know, uh, he had a nice uh, asshole rival in Michael Jordan, at least later career. Yes, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I don't know how much of an asshole Magic was, but uh, uh, I think Magic was a bit of a goofball. <laughs> it seems like if his yeah. Twitter personality was anything, oh, but um, the way that man loves his Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> he loves. Uh, Oh, magic. Yeah, oh, magic. <laughs> magic, who is now down to one singular aid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, money gets you a lot, you know. Yeah, you know what? At least, you know, if, if it proves that money can cure age, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Turns out we did More power it. to them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> At least yeah. we know it can, be, it can be managed or cured or whatever, you know, which is kind of... Right. For when certain things happen, but I'm not going to talk about those certain things right now. Right. Yes. <laughs> it might get, me, it might get me in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, coffee is a nice thing to drink, but also yeah. beer and wine and liquor mm-hmm. are nice things mm-hmm. to drink. So that's your passion. Um, yes. Yeah. So uh, I guess the the one the burning question I have is, you know, uh, there are. Um, you know, you know, beer is just like anything else. You know, there are trending topics and mm-hmm. there's things that are in, things that are out. As someone who works behind the bar and actually, I assume, is involved in purchasing uh, uh, product. Yeah, I uh, I have done purchasing before um, at my current spot. Um, our owner, he handles that, but I do help him kind of curate the tap list. That's Yeah, but I have done purchasing mm-hmm. before. Right. So, I mean, that, that's the sort of thing. You're, you're sort of involved in, uh, 
you know, selection. So what are the, what's the trend now? I mean, I know people still like to sort of say her IPAs, but like Mm -hmm. as someone who's, you know, seeing what people buy, what are the things that are, are sort of hot right now? Yeah. I mean, IPA is still the bread and butter. Um, you know, uh, when I started working uh, in the brewing industry, which was like seven years ago, um, I worked for a brewery that didn't make an IPA for the longest time. Um, we had a, a brewer who specialized in doing uh, wild fermented uh, ales. So sours, cool barrel aged stuff, funky Berliner vices, and we just didn't do an IPA. Um, and finally, we had- Barley convince- wines too? Um, yeah, we did some barley wines. Yeah. Uh, which that barley wines are very, very niche, uh, still to this day, but, uh, we had to convince them, you know, if we're going to be distributing, you know, we have to have an IPA on the shelf. Um, cause that's what the majority of people are going to pick up. So it's still very IPA heavy. Um, it has been nice seeing an uptick in uh, breweries, at least around here, of people doing some more traditional, uh, like German styles, um, especially lagers and pilsners. Um, but it, it is still a very heavy IPA market. Um, the people that are going to drink the cheap beer are going to drink the cheap beer. I mean, I think the two beers that we sell the most of. Um, is uh, a New England hazy IPA from a great brewery here in town called Goodman House. And then we also sell Narragansetts and cans. Oh, yeah. And that's about what that's Narragansett. what. Oh, I'm having a Narragansett right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was bummed. I went on my beer run and, uh, and, you know, I, it was just beer, but it was also the liquor I bought too and some of the wines. But yeah, they didn't have any Narragansett. And it was oh, sort of man. like, that was like my go to cheapie. Yeah, and oh, it is. Yeah, Modelo, it is so cheap. Was good. A, a, a six pack here at our at our local store is like four fifty. Oh, yeah, uh huh. That's cheaper. That's cheaper yeah. than in Delaware, right? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, even in uh, working for previous breweries over the past few years, uh, people love uh, the hazy IPAs. Uh, people have started to trend a little away from. The traditional IPAs, the malty, uh, bitter forward ones, like the Two Hearteds, which Two Hearted is still a phenomenal beer, um, but people want something that's probably a little uh, easier sipping. Um, You know, nobody's really selling or making, you know, brown ales anymore, ambers or red ales. Uh, People... Uh, have really gotten away from uh, malty, bitter, traditional styles and want something that's a little easier to drink, um, easier to share with other people. Um, or they're just drinking, you know, Narragansetts or uh, hams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never had hams. It is a cheap lager. <laughs> it is perfectly fine. Yeah, I, I've been really getting into, into Pilsners and, and mm-hmm. Mexican lagers lately. Oh, so. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, you said your spot didn't have but, uh, Modelo? They have Modelo. And okay, I have they have Modelo. Okay. They had Modelo. Like, I was getting really big into sours and, uh, uh-huh. for a while. I still am, you know. I feel like IPAs, like, when they're done right, and I'm not talking about the hazy ones. I think the hazy ones, by and large, are excellent yeah. across the board. Like the New England style. Yeah. Uh, if it looks like a fruit juice or an egg wash, I want it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm at least going to try it, you know? Um, yeah. And there is uh, still a, a a very large subset of dedicated craft beer drinkers who do go out and still collect the sours, the barrel aged stouts, you know, like Three Floyds, you know, the famous brewery here in Indiana, they still do their Dark Lord Day where they release, you know, their famous barrel aged stout. Um, but in terms of what people are buying off the shelves, um, you know, when they're hitting the liquor store on their way home, yeah, it's IPAs still through and through. Yeah. 
I, I think those can still be like I think they get a bad rap because when they're done really well, it's um like they're refreshing. Yeah, yeah. And you get them really cold. They're like a beer that you can drink cold. Not every, not all of them. There are not not every sort of beer you can drink, put it in the fridge, and it'll taste the best. Right. But an IPA, like if it's really like crisp and cold, like a summer day type of beer, mm-hmm. and it hits you in front with the floral notes rather than with the bitterness. Yeah. With the hop. And like it's floral forward and it, and it just feels refreshing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like just it, with given how popular it is, people just, they just, you know, throw the hops in and it gets really. There's no art to it. It's like you have to yeah. sort of pick them out. And that's well, why I sort of gravitate towards sours and, and pilsners and, you know, the Belgians. Cause they're, they're a lot harder to fuck up. Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, for the most part, uh, there's definitely a, a group of consumers that will uh, spend Boku bucks on an IPA because it's a combination of hops that they haven't seen before. Um, which I think has actually led uh, some breweries to become lazy and not taking the time to craft those uh, delicate and noticeable flavors because um, they know people are going to buy it no matter what. You know, like with the... Uh, slushy IPA trend right now, which I don't know if you have anybody out near you that's doing that, but that's a big uh, topic of conversation here in Indy is brewers are doing these slushy IPAs where um, it just tastes like fruit puree and there's no hop characteristic whatsoever because they're literally dumping fruit juice into the beer. That's yeah. I mean, I I haven't heard about that yet. Most of yeah. the slushies out here, and slushies are still a big trend, like wine slushies or uh-huh. yeah, I guess you know wine sangria or just liquor slushies. And it's um, they're everywhere. Like that's yeah. the big selling point. Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've worked at bars where we had slushy machines, and uh, another. Uh, company that I worked for was actually my first job managing was a really nice brewery here called Triton. Um, and we got gifted a slushy machine from, uh, the Anheuser-Busch distributor specifically to put, uh, Natter days in. Ooh. Oh, and, and I tell you went kind of hard. Yeah. They were delicious. <laughs> but yeah. Especially, you know, in, in the summer months, um, yeah. Frozen beverages, uh, definitely huge hits. But yeah, these uh, these like slushy inspired IPAs. Uh, yeah, they're literally just dumping fruit juice or fruit puree into them uh, to the point where it doesn't even feel like beer anymore. And I'm not uh, a purist per se, but um, I think there are you know. Uh, maybe not guidelines, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, some traditional aspects of like an IPA that should be adhere- adhered to if you're going to call it an IPA. Oh, oh yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm a big believer in, in sort of, um, you know, keeping the form of, of something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it, the, the big thing with me, my big bugaboo with that is people, you know, it is grind anything up into a puree, like a thick mm-hmm. puree and call it a hummus. It's like, no, no, hummus has to have, and even then, like it, it has to be a garbanzo bean, a chickpea. Yeah. Not like a cannellini bean or a white bean or whatever. It has to be a chickpea. It has to have tahini in it. Yeah. Before you can sort of play with the boundaries of what that, what, of what the hummus is. Anything else just sort of like, like you're just sort of like spitting on the mid on the on the, the Eastern Mediterranean. You're like, ah, yeah, yeah. We don't really care about your culture. We're calling this ground up uh, graham cracker a, uh, a hummus. And uh, right. like, like, no, you have to have some sort of form. Otherwise, you know, it's be as liberal as you want with it. You know, yeah. I think. And it might it might be a semantic bullshit. Maybe my most. Uh, how I am most like the kind of person I hate when it comes to sort of this, this kind of thing. But at the same time, it's like, 
you know, don't don't serve me a uh, you know don't serve me a, a piece of tofu and call it a steak. Uh-huh. You know, I'm not against tofu. I, I like fried tofu and, yeah, yeah. and everything. And I, I, but like a steak is beef, you know? Right. Yeah. It's you kind know, of a, tofu, if you want to make tofu up like a, like a beef that looks and tastes like a beef fine, but it's just like it's tofu. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the, uh, the ship of Theseus story, you know, if you, uh, slowly <laughs> over time replace every part of something or modify every part of something is it still uh that original thing um and so once you start uh breaking down you know uh and modifying what the definition of an ipa or a pilsner or a colch or something is you know it can still be enjoyable but is it still an ipa and uh i I, yeah, I feel like there are, there are just uh, still some certain boundaries that I appreciate breweries following. And again, it's not to say I won't drink these, you know, slushy IPAs or these like heavily fruited Berliner Weisses. Um, but I think we still should have some standards, you know? <laughs> yeah. Call it a fruit beer. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we have fruit beers. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there's the Lambic style. Those those crazy monks in Belgium. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, there's it's, it's a, funny. There's a brewery here a few years ago who made an imperial goza, um, which gozas are traditionally, uh, you know, around like three to four percent. They're super low ABV, super light drinking, um, and to make like and and that's that was the purpose. Uh, you know. That's what they were intended to be. They were beers that, you know, farmers around like Leipzig would drink during the day because they were light refreshing and you could have a few of them and not get tanked on them and they could still work. But now that you make a Goza that's, you know, eight or nine percent, well, that kind of defeats the purpose of the Goza. Yeah, it can still be a good beer, but, you know, uh, we can't just uh, be throwing uh, proper names around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, and that does sound like it's in my wheelhouse. I like, I, I do like the um, the high alcohol beers, but I also like the the, the sours. Yeah. Um, so what's what's your go to beer for yourself? If you're you know you're you're done a shift for the night, you're kicking back, you're going to uh, have a couple. Oh it, yeah, it's it's probably Narragansett to be honest. Um, it's just light, refreshing. Um, you know, it was my uh, my first brewery job that I just mentioned, uh, the the brewery that specialized in like wild fermentation beers, uh, who sadly is not around anymore. It's a great brewery called uh, Central State Brewing. Um, but it was uh, my first day working in the actual brewery. I was just a sales rep, but I would help with like canning runs and that kind of stuff. And we had done, uh, you know, I stacked maybe like 500 cases of beer that day on a hot summer day in a old warehouse near the South side of Indy. And I get home and I was a big craft beer fan at that time. And I opened up my fridge and I just have these bombers of like Imperial IPAs and none of it sounded, you know, it just didn't sound appetizing to me. Um, And that's when I learned that pretty much everybody that works in the brewing industry has a light beer of choice. So for a while, yeah. yeah. So for a while, it was uh, uh, high life, especially high life long neck. Um, but uh, yeah, now it's Narragansett. Um, there are some beers that I do still go out and seek. Um, Three Floyds has an imperial IPA called Arctic Panzer Wolf. Um, <laughs> that, oh, their, oh, their their beer names are pretty rad. You know, this is the the brewery who, for their annual beer release of Dark Lord, a few years ago, had High on Fire play a concert there. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it, they're they're about as metal as breweries go. Uh, but yeah, Arctic Panzer Wolf is a nice like nine percent IPA with a little bit of like white grape uh, zest to it. So you get almost this like nice like white wine quality right on the back end. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we do, we do like a, uh, a two hearted every now and then. Um, 
uh, Three Floyds also has like a side project brewery with um, uh, McKellar out of Denmark called War Pigs. Um, and they have some really good IPAs. Uh, I saw me on the name by itself. Love Sabbath. Oh, yeah. Yep. 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 It's a, uh, obviously a nod to them. Um, and one of my buddies, Al, is the area rep for them. They're a good company to work for. They have some really good IPAs. Uh, yeah, I, you know, um, yeah. Around back here. to the Miller, it's like, I, I, I hate Miller Lite, but like, I, I remember I had for the first time, I don't know whether it was highlight for MGD at the Eagles tailgate uh, for the Steelers game uh-huh. months ago. It was really, really, really good. And I was like, Three quarters shot in the ass by then. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was a good a good time. Even though my phone died, my brother had to come pick me up. Um, right, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't order an Uber. Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of crazy. How reliant we are. Yeah, um, you know it's uh it's funny. My partner Jess, um, she is the manager of uh, a bar around us that started. Uh, it's still a brewery, but the original location started as a brewery, um, and they uh, recently opened a second location um, and moved the brewing production there. And now that's like a little brewery and cocktail bar, and the location that she manages um, is now like a music venue. Mm-hmm. Uh, their head brewer, Tara, she's oh, the place is called Black Circle, if anybody uh, finds themselves in indie. Um, but yeah, so they do a lot of heavy metal shows and everything. Uh, their head brewer, Tara is uh, very talented. She does beers of all style from uh, lagers to sours to IPAs, but you know what they sell the most of Miller light and PBR. Yeah. People, yeah. I mean, most yeah. drinkers still drink the one the macro lights and yeah. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like the dirty little secret, you know, you, everybody talks about this and that, but you know, normies who don't pop online or extremely online like me, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they drink Miller Lite. They drink yeah. um, Bud Light, Coors Light. And it's not that I, I, I don't – it's not that they're big breweries, you know, because I do – can't remember the last time I had a Bud Heavy, but it, it's oh, not yeah, bad, you know. Right. I will say I think like the only but, time I drink Miller Lite during the year is when we go to the, the Indy 500. <laughs> It just feels and like it's a, probably expensive to get anything but that. Uh, oh well, you can bring coolers into the race, so <laughs> I'm bringing my own. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I just don't like the. I don't like the aftertaste. It's like it tastes almost like I don't know. Yeah, it's a uh, slightly metallic. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Whereas I find like Budweiser can be um, a little sweet. Uh, yeah, but heavy is a little, can be a little sweet. Yeah, yeah I, I find yeah. like all the light beers are just sort of like I had one light beer that that wasn't terrible, and it mm-hmm. was called Lighthouse, and it was a Belize brewery. Okay. I was in Belize for a port of call on a cruise, um, and the light I could just drink. I, was, I don't know whether it was because it was hot as hell. Because you know, for those who aren't as geographically inclined as I am, yes. um, Belize is. All the way down south, um, it's just south of Cancun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like that that country sort of lodged in the Yucatan uh, in, in, on the south, the butt end of Mexico down there. The other, their other border side with Guatemala, other Central American countries. So it was pretty hot in the summertime, right? Uh, and I was just like, I was pounding. I had the sort of like the best burger I ever had in my life was there too. It was a place called the Wet Lizard. Okay. <laughs> it was just like a little shitty little burger, but it was, it was so good. I, I keep yeah. thinking about that every once in a while. Well, Can some, you just think about a burger? Oh, yeah. <laughs> some burgers just stick with us, you know? Yeah, there's a, <sighs> yeah, there's a, a spot here just around the corner from us called Fat Dance, and it's like kind of a Chicago-style bar and deli Um does a uh, really good burgers and it's like once or twice a week, I'll just wake up and be like, I want a burger from them today. I want, and I want specifically that burger in a city that has, so what's on it? Um, I mean, they do like a couple, but they do one on uh rye bread with a smash patty. And uh, because it's a Chicago deli, they do like 
the like nuclear green relish that would come on a Chicago dog. And so then I just throw a little mayonnaise on that. And yeah, it it's greasy and it's slightly salty, slightly sweet. And it's about like twice a week. I will wake up and just like, I, I want the flat Daniel today. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and those smash burgers are hot right now. Oh yeah. I mean, well, uh, the best burger here in ND is this place called uh, uh, working man's friend that has been around for over a hundred years now. Um, and they pretty much do like smash burgers, um, 32 ounce Bud Lights and a uh, frosted chalice, uh, like fried bologna sandwiches, just your greasy burger diner. It's 2023 and they're still cash only, uh, but it is the absolute uh, best smash burger in the city. And people have uh, often tried to uh, copy it or imitate them. Um, a uh, famous yet uh, disgraced chef here in Indy opened up a burger spot and he was uh, busted trying to sneak back into their kitchen to take photos to Ooh. figure out what the secret was. And it, you know, it turns out the secret is they just have a hundred year old flat top grill. Uh, you can't beat that. Yeah. Oh man. It's, it's so funny. You know, you, sometimes the only thing that really sets you apart is the fucking metal that you have. Exactly. <laughs> it's been around exactly. since World War One. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how you imitate that taste? Time. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. And, yeah. Oh, and maybe, awesome. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, yes, that's, that's your, one of the yeah. To your, one to of the your big question, trends. I think about burgers a lot. <laughs> <laughs> As you should, I think everybody who isn't a vegan should. Yes. <laughs> And even then, you know, you get the Saitan burgers, I guess. You get like a good black, a really good black bean burger, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's a, a brewery here that does like a, a Saitan, like a fried tenderloin sandwich. That's to die for. Oh. Like, if yeah. If you like hadn't told me it was Saitan, I probably wouldn't know. But you so know. you're in you're in uh, Indiana and they have uh, they have the, they have the. Um, the tenderloin sandwich and Iowa has a tenderloin sandwich. Yes. Yeah. Um, have you ever come to blows with someone from Iowa over tenderloins? <laughs> no, um, I, I'm of the belief that we should just all band together and celebrate tenderloins regardless of where we're from. Um, I do believe the story that it was invented in Indiana, but um, a good tenderloin is a good tenderloin regardless of its uh, area code. Just as long as the meat is about like three times the area of the bun. You know, uh, I do want some size from it, but I don't need, you know, uh, a thinly pounded piece of meat that's the size of a car tire <laughs> with like a tiny <laughs> little bun. Like uh, who was the guy in uh, Popeye that was always like trying to, uh, you know, I'll pay you tomorrow for a burger today or whatever. Like, like tiny oh, little hat. Yeah, the tiny little hat placed atop his head. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, uh, we don't have to get too crazy with the side or the size, but, uh, but yes, a staunch supporter of the tenderloin sandwich in this household. As you should be, you should you should boost local food. Um, yeah, that's the big thing. I will always defend the cheesesteak and the roast pork sandwich. Oh yes, oh yeah, and soft pretzels. Even though I don't even eat it, I'll defend Scrapple. Who gives a shit? I don't mind a Scrapple every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not weirded out by it. I'm not weirded out by it. I just don't like something about, I don't know. It's, it's like the it's taste like, well, is a little off-putting. Yeah, and it's like one of those things where uh, once you know how it's made, might affect uh, how appetizing you find it. <laughs> Eh, not not me. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, so if I mean, I've eaten it, I'll be like I, I'm a little bit prohibitive about trying some things if I know there's iffy like ingredients I find iffy in it. But if I've already yeah. eaten it and I know and now I know there's iffy ingredients, I was like, eh, who cares? Hot dogs are lips and assholes. But yes. Uh huh. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We we go to Korean barbecue all the time. I'll eat beef tongue. I'll eat head cheese. I don't really care. You know. I a pack of. Uh, blood sausage in the freezer right now can't really weird me out that much 
Yeah, tongue is actually on my tops of my list of things to try at this point. Yeah, find yourself, never really get around to it. Yeah, find yourself like a nice uh, like Korean barbecue spot because uh, most of them will just like shave it super thin, um, and then it's just like eating just like a little slice of steak. It's delightful. It's so weird. Like, there's like so much Vietnamese around mm-hmm. here. Like, there's Thai. Chinese, authentic Chinese, Japanese. I can't seem to find a good Korean place. Hmm. I mean, yeah, we have a couple here in Indy, uh, and thankfully they are very good. But, yeah, there's not many around here. But if you find one, oh, it's the best. I think my my entree is going to be lingua. You know, go to a Mexican Mm -hmm. restaurant and try it. Oh, yeah, yeah. A nice, like, lingua taco. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good route to go, too. Especially thing. I just had Deerius nice for the first time too. Oh, really? Uh, like a couple, a couple of months ago. Like we yeah. were wanting to try it, and they had it at the food truck outside my office in the Navy Yard, mm-hmm. and it was just like it. Cha- it was as good as it was. Uh, it was as good as I imagined it would be, and then some. Yeah, yeah. When done, was it with goat? No, it was beef. Okay, okay. Because I think traditionally. Uh, it might be done with goat, and of course, you can correct. Oh, me it definitely that. is done with goat. If you're yeah. in Mexico, you know, if you're yeah. in the actual area where it's ge- where it generated from, it's goat. Yeah. No, but uh, we're yeah. we're pussies in America. <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah. Uh, Birria has been uh, really popular here in Indy lately. Um, so it's like New York style pizza. There's like a more than one handful of like New York style pizza places that have popped up in the last year. Yeah. Which I'm fine. With. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, it's the, um, you, you know, it, I, I, I like, I, I'm close to it. We're in the pizza belt. Yeah. It, it, but, um, I keep referencing that Gawker article before Gawker was, uh, you know, gutted by, uh, Hulk Hogan and Peter Thiel. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, when it comes down to it, you can't really be you know from the source in Italy. Of you know, course, with the, yeah. Um, with the the brick oven, you know, they get mm-hmm. up to like a thousand degrees. Thousand, yeah. and, you know, you get that nice char on the crust. Oh yeah, and they know sauce, and they do know sauce. Yeah. yeah. Well, they've been around long enough. I hope they would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Um, before we get out of here, uh, Adam, tell us uh, where we can find you online, offline, wherever. Oh, yeah. Uh, I am uh, still on Twitter, um, probably till the day it dies, uh, which uh, I have been weaning myself off it a little little more. But uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bubba Yega. Um, it's like Baba Yega, but with Bubba, because uh, that was my, uh, what my parents called me growing up. Um, and it's uh, the same on Instagram. Um, I don't have really anything in the works. Um, if you head to our gold leaf Instagram account, you can see some of the, the cocktails that I've been coming up with lately. Uh, we didn't even talk about liquor. Oh, well, so, uh, yeah, we could do this real brief. Uh, but, uh, so we do have a, I was hired to do like a small cocktail program as well, but, um, in Indiana, um, your beer, your wine and your liquor licenses are three separate licenses. Um, and to get all three can sometimes cost a business between like 60 and a hundred thousand dollars. So it's much easier to just do, uh, beer and wine or wine and liquor or just two instead of the full three. So we have beer and wine, um, really great, uh, wine selections from some really nice, small, uh, Italian and French vintners. And then uh, our cocktail menu um, is majority uh, sake based because sake is classified as a wine, um, which has been really fun uh, and challenging to me. I was just telling uh, my partner, Jess, uh, the other night that um, it's not this is the first cocktail program that I've oversaw. And to have to stay in that very narrow window with this one base ingredient um, has helped me out a lot. Um, So uh, we have like a kind of like a sake based Manhattan. I figured out a riff on a gin fizz. Um, I've been playing around with uh, different like a wine based Amaros and vermouths uh, to come up with 
some cool like fruit infused spirits. Um, so I have like a riff on a uh, French 75 that I use a Capiletti in, which is kind of like Campari or Aperol, but I infuse that with strawberries. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's small, but it's mighty people like it. And, uh, yeah. And I do want to thank my bosses because they've given me like that uh, enough freedom, uh, and space to, uh, figure that's out, figure it all out on my own. And it's the first time that I've worked for some place that has really given me that kind of freedom. That's, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, you can head to, uh, it's just gold leaf G O L D L E A F on Instagram. See some of our, uh, cocktail creations or my own personal account, Bubba Yega. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. I don't have much else in the works right now. Uh, my, uh, my partner is a very talented artist and we decided in the new year, we're going to try to, uh, uh, get back into art. Um, I used to be a writer, so, uh, I've been trying to like write more and hopefully in the next few months, I'll start putting some stuff out, uh, for people to read. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, you've been a great, uh, return guest. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Yeah. And, uh, thank everybody for, for listening again. If you didn't find me through the, uh, newsletter, Head on over to tholzerman.substack.com, subscribe, hit that subscribe button, smash it, if you will. Um, we, we don't care if you break the subscribe button because it'll just be for you. It's the <laughs> internet. Uh, they'll, they'll replace it. Um, they have And more. you get some, yeah, you'll get good reading, good podcasts right in your inbox. Um, you can find me online at Twitter, tholzerman, Instagram, the same handle. Uh, you could find me on Facebook, but I'd rather you not. Um, and if you like this episode, you know, and you want to say, hey, TH, you know, I know you don't charge any money for any of your content, and I never will. But if you want to, you know, go there and buy me a coffee, say, hey, you did a really good job on uh, on this podcast episode. You, you did a really, really good job with this newsletter post or um, – Hey, uh, this tweet made me laugh. Yeah, go to my Ko-Fi page. I linked it. Buy me a coffee. Yeah. Um, I like coffee a little bit too much. Uh, so well, that's your, uh, the roundup. Your, your recent newsletter about uh, uh, Damar Hamlin was uh, worth a cup of coffee for sure. So. I wish I didn't have to write it, but I'm sure yes. <laughs> yes. more than that, I wish, I, I'm sure Damar wished he didn't have to spend – Three days knocked out in the goddamn hospital. Right. Yeah. But uh, worth a cup of coffee for sure. So. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you listening. So once again, thank you for listening. And as always, please keep it a buck.